Welcome back to another thrilling edition of Chunky Lessons, the podcast, boys and girls. I am your host, Kevin, as usual. And as usual, uh, welcome to any new listeners we might have picked up. I uh, hope, you're, hope you're ready to, to get into it. Welcome to the basement. Make yourself comfortable. Uh, our returning loyal listeners, you know, grab a seat. You know where everything is. Just you know, treat yourself to what you like. Uh, I, I told a little fib on last week's podcast when I said we were going to be uh, doing our mid-year podcast this week. Uh, that podcast is in the can, and that's where we're going to be talking about albums. Not necessarily a best of list, but but stuff that we might have missed, stuff that is is just coming to light in our eyes, or stuff that we just didn't get a chance to cover. Uh, so never fear, that is, like I said, in the can. Uh, it's being edited right now. Uh, but in the meantime, an album caught my ear this week, and I said, well, you know, let's go ahead and get this one out. Before, before this mid-year one because this probably should have ended up on that mid-year podcast. I'm talking about the new album from Eternal Summers, uh, Gold and Stone, uh, trio hailing uh, from Roanoke by God, Virginia, a, a town that I spent a good bit of time in in my youth around college and, and whatnot. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that. Uh, I invited Patrick down to the basement uh, and his bourbon to talk about that. Uh, the new Apple streaming music service, uh, which was unveiled at WWDC last week. We haven't had really a hands-on, but a whole wealth of information about what we can expect. when that launches on June 30th, so uh, we're going to try to parse that and sort of falls into our, our continuing discussion about streaming music. Also going to talk about a story on Reddit uh, that, to sum up real quick, uh, they posted a, or are about to post a review of Mark Kozilek's latest album. Uh, then he talks shit about one of their writers, uh, which is, we'll put a link in there, but it's pretty publicized this week. Uh, so they pulled their review and then uh, put out a review that was a much lower rating, uh, which is a journalistic no-no, but uh, we're, we're going to get a little into that. So also... Um, before we get to the thing, I want to mention, uh, if you're a fan of live music, we are all out and about during the week. Uh, by the time you listen to this, I may or may not have gone to see Prince. Uh, I don't know. We got shut down uh, to cover Prince. So, you know, Prince is a dick might come back next week, that column. Uh, but uh, through the magic of, of just knowing people, I guess, have an opportunity. So uh, might have a report on that Prince show at the Warner Theater coming up. But on Monday, uh, going, like me and the lady are going to be at Nico Case. You can go see Unknown Mortal Orchestra at U Street Music Hall. Uh, Mittenfields at Galaxy Hut. On Tuesday, you're going to get uh, Shamir at U Street Music Hall. Richard Thompson Electric Trio, the Birchmere. Um, he's doing a two-night stand there, the 16th and the 17th. Uh, Viet Cong is returning to the Rock and Roll Hotel. And then uh, the following Monday, uh, we'll actually be covering uh, this and, and probably have something up later on in the week. Uh, Sam Amidon, sort of folk musician, made a, a wonderful album with Bill Frizzell last year. He's going to be performing at Jam and Java. So get out and see some live music. Why don't you? Uh, all those are on our calendar. Uh, or you can just, you know, tweet at us and say, hey, what are you guys doing? And say, hey, we're out of the show or something. But so that's about it for your shows this week, uh, which means it's time to get to the thing. So here you go. This is episode number 120 of Chunky Glasses, the podcast, where we're reviewing the new album from Eternal Summers, Gold and Stone. It happens here. And it finishes here. Two men enter. One man. Nearly a two-word review. Just a shit sandwich. Oh, the old record I've been doing this morning. 
That right there is a wonderful power. Serious podcast Mary. about serious music. The two very serious men, Patrick, welcome back to the basement. Two men enter, <laughs> one man leaves. We can only do like radio voices the entire time. I think the only person who can do it is Adam, uh, which you mentioned. You wonder where he. What is his? He does like it's squirrel and flicker in the morning. <laughs> yeah, he has like a whole routine. Uh, he does, and uh, but he's busy like prepping for baby. Lamaze class. Yeah. No, literally Lamaze class. So the baby on the way. But um, last week uh, we talked about some girl pool and uh, we were originally scheduled, I think, to talk about uh, our mid-year stuff. But got a little uh, vitriolic last week, to say the least. There was a little sparks flying. Uh, hopefully we didn't scare Quinn away. Uh, so I wanted to follow that up with a real quick podcast for this week, uh, talking about a band uh, that has sort of been hitting the headlines right now. They, they've been around for a little while, Eternal Summers. Uh, and I'd be lying if I didn't say the main reason I wanted to cover them was because they were from uh, my old stomping grounds, Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, but we will get to that eventually. First up, though, uh, last week, which is this week now when we're taping this, but last week, uh, Apple Music finally announced... Uh, that they're going to have their streaming music service. It is in fact called Apple Music. Uh, nine ninety nine a month, fourteen ninety nine mm-hmm. for six seats. Uh, might have been the most underwhelming, <laughs> underwhelming like product release since title. Uh, did you watch any of it, Patrick? Well, again, I thought this was title talk, so I. I know, I uh, know. No. It's funny because we get to shift off it now. <laughs> I know. I didn't watch any of it. I uh, will, am ready to full on depose you about details, but mm-hmm. preach on. I uh, nine ninety nine a month. How many songs? Is it a bigger well, catalog than? The well, others? so here, here's the deal. And this is what we know so far. Haven't got our hands on it. It's not going to be out till the end of June, June thirtieth. First three months are going to be free. Um, so you're, you're like buying into that Apple ecosystem. So I have an iPhone. You have an iPhone. It'll just be on our iPhones, like oh, really? you too. Yes. Um, so he like gets crack. Yeah. First one's free and then you're, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, it's going to show up on our iPhones. Uh, it's going to have, uh, you can stream whatever you want. Article today, uh, that we'll put a link to said, uh, they're going for the lower bit rate, 256, uh, Spotify mm. and audio all do it in 320. Yeah. And, uh, so because they don't believe that people really want it. Uh, <laughs> that good quality. Uh, but, and they're also doing, I don't know if you remember ping. In I iTunes. do. I don't know. Are you a heavy yeah. iTunes user? Or? No, but I remember Ping. That was like the uh, like their genius thing. Or yes. Was it well, this? it was it was like a social network with built within iTunes. Yeah. So you're not just tied into the Apple ecosystem. You're tied into the iTunes right. ecosystem. Um, so uh, basically, uh, there's a, it's called Connect, and it is, uh, and we know how well things called Connect 
do, whether it's spelled with a K or a C. Um, but it, you know, it's it's a, a a portal where artists can, I guess, get an account, log in, and share what they want with the fans. Very much like what Title is saying they're going to be doing. So the artist can say, make a playlist. Yes, that's happening on Spotify. Just for the <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, but is it revolutionary? No. See, because in Apple, yeah. they said it's revolutionary. Think different. Um, so they've got that. They've got, I mean, the, what it comes down to right now is, uh, Apple bought Beats for about $3 million. Um, and. Seems like an okay price. Yeah. And Jimmy Iovine, I mean, I mean, it tanked. And this was actually Jay Z's first. Beats did. Beats did, yeah. Yeah, but $3 million is a yard sale price, I yeah, think. Yeah. yeah. I could, it might be a billion. I Could be three billion. Yeah, <laughs> slight difference. You know about facts down here, yeah. um, but um, so they bought that. Jimmy Irvine is is still in charge of that, and and basically what they've done now is repackaged it because mm-hmm. the way Beats failed, and and this is in my opinion, uh, and we've talked about this a lot. We talked about it in title uh, talk actually. I don't trust people that are just arbitrarily picked to curate my music for me. I especially don't trust people who are picked by a company that is a retailer to uh, curate my music for me. But that was the sole feature uh, that Beats offered. That's what they were built on. They were like, forget all this having to decide for yourself. Forget all everything. You know what you want is Jay Z making you a playlist mm-hmm. just for you. But now he's going to title. Well, I think. Maybe there are people who who do want that, but yeah, I think the point of what work. Well, let me backtrack because it's just the two of us. I can say whatever I want. It yeah. doesn't have to actually respond to what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> two men enter. All right. So, uh, one is that I think there are people who do want that, and I kind of like those artist playlists. Like you'll appreciate this. Father mm-hmm. John Misty just put a playlist on Spotify that I've not sure. listened to all of, but I looked at it and I thought. Oh, he picks some songs that I like. Yeah. Therefore, I'm as cool as Father John Misty is or is not. Um, and then the other piece that's I'm sort of questioning, and and maybe this broadens the discussion out. So, remember when? Uh, remember, remember when uh, Apple put the U2 record on everybody's phone yeah, and everyone yeah, got I do. mad? Uh, I do. And I think the people who got mad were not the people our age who aren't really paying attention to everything that's on their phone. Maybe uh-huh. I'm wrong. But I feel like millennials are kind of picky, and I'm, I I use that word pejoratively. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm alienating the audience. <laughs> I feel like people, younger Two people. Two podcasts in a row. <laughs> right. I feel like younger people are really picky about what's put on their phone without them asking. Uh-huh. And to put an entire music streaming system on the phone for free. Yeah. Just like when I updated my phone, the Apple Watch thing came on, and I was like, Will you ever buy an Apple I'm Watch? I'm not going to buy an Apple Watch. Yeah. I was kind of mad, but I was like, oh, I don't care as long as it's not eating too much memory. But the point is like there will be people who will get mad uh-huh. that Apple put this on them, even if they're like – even if they like music, even if they like streaming music. Yeah. Even if they're huge audio or Spotify or yeah. iTunes users, I think there will be sort of a I'm how actually dare one, you. I'm actually one of them that will get mad. I'm right. definitely not a That's what I mean. And, and the reason is is because what this is going to – this is going to integrate into uh, how you use the phone, how you search the phone right. and stuff. And, you know, when I search for something as bad as I am at internet searches, I'm I, looking for a specific result. I'm not looking for an ad. Mm-hmm. And more and more, like, this is what happens. You search for something, you get an ad. Right. When that hits the phone, I stop using your phone. So I think that that 
could be a an issue. So the question I have is on the scales of justice. Yeah. What is weighing heavier, like uh, millennial and those millennial in spirit, yeah. who care about what's on their phone, um, and will get mad by the automatic um, download of something on their phone that they did not ask for? So mm-hmm. that, on the one hand, weighed against the same group of people like and appreciate music and like to listen to music and will they go, well, this isn't so bad. I can go in here and tinker around and it's Mm -hmm. free for three months and et cetera, et cetera. So I guess the other – next question I have is if I after three months don't want it on my phone, how much action do I have to take to get it not be – That hasn't – Not be on my phone or not be charged. That hasn't been answered because if you are – use iTunes at all, they have your credit card. Of course. So, I mean, this is this is a brilliant like rollout of like the platform. Like, they don't have to like get people in with payment methods. They've got them all. Um, yeah, that that question is unanswered. Also, unanswered is uh, really it's not even. I don't think the elephant in the room. But uh, who the fuck needs another streaming service? Well, so let's go back a little bit. iTunes has the Beatles. They do. Spotify. It's not clear whether or not that's going to be on the yeah, streaming. Spotify, service. no Beatles. Right. Audio, no Beatles. Now Spotify has, Zeppelin, but your device, your device, you can put other. stuff on there will, that you want. Will the Taylor Swift be on the uh, Apple Music? Unclear. Because I think that might be for the youngins. Yeah. No. And, and some of the oldens. Yeah. I mean, you no, know, it's, people people like it. Yeah. You know, guy in a convertible this way on the way to work is <laughs> blasting exactly. Taylor Swift. So Tay Tay is everywhere, but. <laughs> Um, much to Paul's chagrin. Tate. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, I mean, that is right. There, but that's also the thing. The fragmentation, the exclus- exclusivity issue and stuff is, uh, for me as a consumer, when it comes down to it, uh, that's, that's when you get into some really big bullshit. And I think that's the problem with all of these trying to reach for something new mm-hmm. and try to innovate in this space is ultimately the consumer pays because there's one way and one way only to do this correctly. And that is give the consumer the music, all of the music that they want for a price that makes sense. With high quality sound? With high quality sound. Yes, agree. But two men enter. All right. Yeah. So here's the counter argument. There was this thing called the Betamax. Yeah. And it was a better technology. The picture was clearer, mm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there was this for a minute the tapes are smaller you know how americans are about size i know (laughs) hey now uh there was this debate about vcr versus betamax or vhs versus betamax and if the world had a populist democratic choice Mm -hmm. to make and everyone had sat down and thought about it i think the world would have chosen betamax but the powers that be to quote um Kendrick Lamar, uh, the powers that be chose the VHS yeah. and for distribution reasons, for uh, ease of you know compliance well, reasons, the, for a lot of reasons. But the main reason was because porn picked it. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, that, that drives all technology. Sure, I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend like I don't know that. So <laughs> so, but my point is, the best service with the best music selection might not win because part of it is about market positioning and sure. And so what Apple Music has going for it is is the recognized name of Apple, of course, the ability to get uh, music and this service into most people's you know, the majority of people now have iPhones. Uh-huh. There's not a lot of people saying, Oh, I'd rather have a Blackberry. Well they're actually gonna make an Android app too. 
Well, right. And, but Android is competing. Samsung is competing. But the mm-hmm. point is like, I assume from what I know, the majority of people that have phones or at least the plurality of people that mm-hmm. have iPhones have, or that have phones have iPhones. And then the third thing is iTunes is a recognized, whether you're using an Android or a whatever, iTunes is a recognized brand. They have the Beatles. They're probably going to have Taylor Swift. I assume yeah. if they're smart. And so you can say what you want about 256, et cetera, et cetera. And they're streaming quality and do we really need another this or that? But this is the equivalent of Pfizer showing up late in the game in the development of a drug and saying, we went on in this when there's a bunch of little, you know smaller sure. drug companies that have developed this and brought it up to speed and are doing a better job. I mean that's what's happening. That's what Apple does. I mean this is seven right. years late to the game. Exactly. But um, that brings up an interesting point is uh, arguably – the streaming music is uh, really targeted for hits the casual music consumer. So, you know, and but those people have Spotify. Interestingly enough, uh, they're Apple's actually being investigated for uh, collusion with other companies to try to uh, squash the freemium model. I'm not sure how they thought that was going to go for them, but probably the same way as the ebook mm-hmm. thing. Um, Investigated by the Department of Justice. Yeah, I, I cannot comment on. I know you can't. Uh, but the what I would say is, Spotify has a partnership with Facebook. Said the person who's not on Facebook, right? Uh, they, they probably do. I believe they do because I was grandfathered into Sp- Spotify for signing up early. Hmm. But I I believe now to get a Spotify account, I think you actually have to have a Facebook account. Yeah. And so there's a partnership there. Now, if uh, – Is that uh, Facebook install base bigger than the Apple install base? Right. If Apple Music comes to uh, Zuckerberg and is like, hey, why don't you dump Spotify and pick us up and let's do a thing. But it won't happen because at this point, Facebook and Apple are competing. They're competing because Zuckerberg – right. I get that. That's a whole ego thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no. They're actually competing because what uh, Apple is trying to – like, yeah, they they make hardware. They make software. But they're really trying to be what everybody is in, the dealing of information. And that's where Facebook is winning. Right. Whether anybody likes it or not. And so there's no way in hell they would ever actually make a deal with Apple unless it was greatly to their benefit. Right. I used to joke that in 10 years, I'm going to have to get a Facebook account to watch a movie, which is probably going to happen. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but, the, but that's the point is maybe that's why – maybe that's why that that won't be a partnership. So, so you know, if Facebook is that hooked in with Spotify and mm-hmm. – or if Spotify is that hooked in with, with Facebook, maybe, maybe this is more of a Facebook – and they are. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is more of a Facebook versus Apple battle. Could be. Which makes it a little more interesting. Could be. I mean, maybe. Spotify, like Daniel Ek is responsible. No offense to Ardio. Yeah, yeah. No, Ardio is amazing. I actually had somebody uh, say to me today, they're like, well, what's going to happen to Ardio? And I'm like, nothing, because they have the best design. They have a comparable catalog, and they're, they have their own market share. There is nothing that could tear me away from Ardio <laughs> uh, at this point. Um, hey, well, there is one thing, and it is because I have an iPhone. Uh, if the promise of match was uh, – which again, honestly, Apple's tried this before. Uh, it's $25 a year and it was supposed to match your catalog. Now, if I pull mine up right now, we're talking about 250, 300 gigs of music, which they have the rights to and they have all that. But it would only match up to a certain point mm-hmm. and it didn't stream it. 
You had to download it to your phone. If that service exists, you know, and I'm fine with advances not being on there, whatever. You know, I can load those to my phone. Mm -hmm. If that service exists and it's tied to hardware, then I'm in. I don't know anything about Match. So you're saying Match would look at my catalog. The idea of Match was, yeah, it was XML tagged everything and said, I have all this, Mm -hmm. regardless of whether you bought it from iTunes or not. And then you could get it from iTunes to listen to. You oh. couldn't, you couldn't like mm. get it off of like if you downloaded it to iTunes on your laptop, you couldn't like send it to somebody or stuff. There was some DRM involved, but uh, but instead of streaming it, it downloaded it. So if I'm driving down the roads and I want to hear abandoned luncheonette, and I it's not on my phone, which is a hundred percent not a possibility, but let's just say it is. Uh, and I and I subscribed to Match and I want it on there and I and I hit it to play. And I'm in Waldorf, Maryland. It takes five minutes to download one song. So you're saying if Apple Music partnered with Match. Well, Match was uh, – uh, it's made by Apple. Okay. So if those two things work together and in conjunction with each other, that might be it. That could sway somebody. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. I don't know that the average consumer is going to think it out to that level. No. Is the and, that, and, that, and that's my point. Right. It's like, you know, they just want the easy hit. Uh, maybe uh, somebody walking around with the iPhone is cussing up and down. Like, I can't have my Tay-Tay on it. And maybe now they'll be able to. The Pitch Perfect 2 soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, exclusives piss me off, but I guess they work on some people. Yeah. Uh, actually, it should have done due diligence and looked up some numbers in that and how, how well it's working out for title. I don't think it's working well. <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone's making fun of title. Yeah, yeah. As far as I can tell. But uh, but now I, my prediction, because um, I want to get off this pretty quick, uh, and on a, a, one other story before we get to Eternal Summers, my prediction is is that by the end of the year, uh, this will have gone the way of pain. You think Apple Music will be gone? I think it'll be gone. I, I'll take I, that bet. How much are we betting? Um, I, I can't Bottle legally. Bourbon? I actually, you can't. For the record, I cannot legally bet. However. How can I'll, we phrase this? I'll, so handshake, I'll handshake bet you that Apple Music will still be in business by – what is your date that you're setting? Oh, Apple will still be in business. Apple Music. Apple Music as a platform. As a streaming service. Yeah. Or And, and actually, like before we, before we get to that, another thing I'm really confused by on what they're doing, they, they want to have a global radio well, see, based, now in, you're, based in three – You're amping up your argument. Listen, no, listen. In response. Listen, this, a global radio based in three cities – um, deliverable over the internet isn't everything over the internet by nature so three, global? Three terrestrial radio stations. No. Okay. <laughs> these these broadcast over the internet only over the internet. So what are the three cities? Uh, it's like Seattle, New York, and uh, probably London. Huh. Huh. That that's uh, add to the service. That doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. But uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Back to the the, the handshake bet. Uh, yeah. If uh, if they are still in business, though, you might come down to a uh, – or Apple Music is still kicking strong at the end of the year. You may come down to find yourself a bottle of bourbon sitting All right. All right. So is this December 31st or January 1st? January 1st. And what does in business mean? It can't be completely like flailing. And wh- who decides what the completely news. flailing the is? News. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to research. <laughs> There's like a Grantland article talking about how shitty it is. Oh, I swore. Yeah. Uh, does that does that constitute yes. I lose the bet? Yes. Uh, 
I'll still take it, but only because Grantland will research it. Right. Thereby, I don't have to. Somebody do will there, yeah. yeah, and prove why. I'll pull some tech blogs and stuff. So all we'll, right, see. All right, we'll, all right. we'll revisit that. All right, handshake bet. All right. So, um, other thing in the news uh, yesterday, actually, uh, Chris Richards sort of tweeted about this. There's a, a post on Reddit today. I don't know if you. We didn't want to give it much press because, quite honestly, I personally don't feel because like deserves the press, but. Uh, I do want to talk about this. Um, after making some fairly awful uh, remarks about a female journalist who interviewed him uh, and uh, getting called out on it by her, uh, his new album is out, which is what, Universal Crap? I uh, can't remember yeah. the name, yeah. Uh, we're not going to give it a name. So Let's see if I can find no, it. No, we won't no. give it a name. All so right. at any rate, his new album is out, and obviously Pitchfork is obligated to write reviews of this album. Uh, in sort of uh, conjunction with our talk about Girlpool last week where they gave Girlpool a 7.8 and a genius album like Beauty Pill a 7.6. I think you know what we think of of Pitchfork listeners out there. Uh, But this went above and beyond. So they had a 9.3, 9.6, whatever, really high review uh, because this person uh, that he – uh, attacked, verbally attacked, uh, worked for Pitchfork. The review, it's like a soft post, so it's out there, but they haven't really like publicized their stuff. They pulled it, had somebody rewrite it, and took it down to a six, which is... Wait, hold on. So the previous album, Benji, got like a 9.3 or 9.2. As did the new one. So you're saying you knew the score for the new one, because the Reddit thing I looked at said they didn't know the score for the new one. No, I think they said it was, it was over they? nine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, and then pulled it and then took it down to a six, which, which is, is a veritable pan for Pitchfork. It, it's an absolute pan. Yeah. It's like this isn't. It's not a pan like Blitz and Trapper three, but, <laughs> Sky Blue Sky review. Oh Jesus! But uh, the point being is that like, you know we talk about uh, how music journalism is failing, uh, and this is a classic example. Of it. There is no point if you are a music journalist where you should ever take into account. Those thing, those type of events, as far as the uh, judging the quality of the music, if you choose not to cover Mark Kozlek for that, that's acceptable. If you choose to bash his art for that, I mean, I I tend to think that they just basically were being honest this time. Like they felt some obligation before to rate it high because they're like, this is the thing. <laughs> it gets not only does it get us hits. But it's it's what everybody wants us to do, mm-hmm. and so somebody they had somebody write an honest review of his music, which mm-hmm. is for me that six is generous. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I don't know. What's your take on that? Well, I don't know what he said to the journalist. From what I understand, it was not good. There was an insinu- insinuation that she wanted to have sex with him. Yeah, which is pretty over the line. And he said some weird stuff over the years, which some of which is. In context is sort of funny and some of it in a curmudgeon way and some of it is just maybe just garbage. But I think my take is Lou Reed was a dick to Lester Bangs. Right. But Lester Bangs still worshipped Lou Reed. Like you have to try to separate the artist from the, the music. Now, you have to. Now the, 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 uh, the step further on that is – is the whole Bill Cosby debate, which I don't really want to get into here. But the, but the point is, at some point, if someone's done something truly awful, Gary Glitter, for example, yeah, 
then that would be a different thing. But he and, uh, mouthing off and saying stupid stuff that's misogynistic. Well, I mean, if you if you tell some an entire audience that uh, a woman who clearly does not want to have sex with you that that this woman wants to fuck you, right? And then, haha, isn't that funny? She'll have to get in line. I mean, that is. No, it's not obviously as bad as say a Bill Cosby or right, Jerry right. Glitter, but it is in that uh, in that Venn diagram. There's yeah. some overlap there, and uh, you know I am uh, I I actually haven't given it much thought uh, how I feel about stuff like that. I think yeah. uh, I heard uh, I was listening to the Nerdist podcast today, and Chris Hardwick was saying how he literally can't uh, can't listen to Cosby anymore. Like it's all ruined for him, and and I don't have necessarily that reaction, so that's why I say uh, it's up to you to decide how you whether or not you ingest the art or not. But what you can't do as a publication, as an editorial entity, and especially as one that is uh, respected in podcast cast quotes uh, as being this sort of pinnacle of right. what what everybody's supposed to be doing. You can't give him a bad review or any artist because you don't like what they're doing or they insult a writer. Yeah, I mostly agree with that. I mean, it doesn't, he shouldn't have free license to be an asshole, but I can do that. On the other hand, like your job as a music critic is not, I mean, Iggy Pop's crazy. Yeah. And has been an asshole to people before, but I still like a lot of his music. Same with. Read. Same with a lot of people. I mean, so. But that, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like they can be assholes and stuff, and you can right. call them an asshole. But if you're talking about their music, right? Like you have to talk about their music. Look, Father John Misty. I would podcast. like to punch Kanye in the face half the time. Right. Those first three albums. Right. I'll take them against any three first three hip hop. That's albums what I'm By almost anybody. That's what I'm saying. And right. and as and I would even like. That's why I said if you take it down to a blogger level, like. I don't think that's acceptable right. to do it at my level, but it could be argued that, yeah, it's fine if I want to do that. If I want to hate Kanye mm-hmm. and I want to just do eight podcasts and how much I hate Kanye, how much I hate his wife, whatever. That's, that's like, later in the summer, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. But, uh, you know, you can do that, but uh, as a professional, yeah, like, it, I mean, it degrades the profession of journalism. But is there a – so my counter would be, is there a profession of journalism? Well, that's a whole other podcast. Yes. Uh, as we understand it. As we used to understand it. As, as, yeah. as we used to understand it. There's certainly no more Lester Bangs. Uh, and uh, I don't know. We probably need them because this I would mean, not I mean if we abide. wrote down everything Dr. John said 20 years ago, <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> I think that's a good place to leave it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, those are two little news items for this week. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about Apple Music some more. We have to by the end of the year. Talking Apple. Yeah, talking Apple, talking title. All right. Uh, let's get on to some Eternal Summers.
That is the latest single off of uh, Roanoke, Virginia's Eternal Summers latest album, Gold and Stone. Uh, Eternal Summers is a trio uh, from the <laughs> Netherlands of Virginia, which I can mention and we'll get into in a second, but where I, where I grew up around there. Uh, we're talking about Nicole Yoon, uh, Daniel Cundiff, Jonathan Woods. Uh, started Eternal Summers in 2009, uh, and since then have come out with four albums. Golden Stone is their latest. Uh, started with Silver, Correct Behavior, The Drop Beneath. They have always, uh, and actually since we started the site, we started in earnest uh, late 2010, 2011. They've always sort of floated under the surface and, and always been out there from the start. And people have been like, have you seen this band? Have you seen this band? Seen them grow and grow and grow. Mm-hmm. For this album, though, uh, all of a sudden they're getting uh, spectacular reviews across the board. They're sort of headlining NYC Pop Fest, with, which uh, Matt Condon just covered for us. Uh, and uh, getting written up in the New York Times. Um, to, the easiest way to describe their sound, I think, would be... Uh, uh, see, let me ask if you agree with this, Patrick. Hughesian, uh, <laughs> Hughesian jangle pop. Yeah, I've seen the word punk thrown around, and I'm like, that's not really punk. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of shouting in the middle, but... Yeah, um, yeah. It's sort of like a melancholy beach pop or something, something yeah. like that. I think. I think. Well, it's, it's funny you use the term beach. I think a band like Beach House sort right. of sort of paved the way uh, for this type of stuff. Uh, Paul, who couldn't be here tonight, it's funny we've been talking about. Um, you know, uh, they're uh, sort of they're. Well, let's start with this. So, uh, I uh, am a grown ass man who reads comic books. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, these days you need to be a grown-ass man because you need to have a grown-ass job to afford them. Right. <laughs> but right now the big big rage in comic books is to sort of destroy your universe and reboot it and do all this stuff. And uh, Paul also is a fan of the medium. And so we were talking about that and said, really, somebody needs to just reboot the Hughesiverse. And we're talking like Pretty in Pink, mm. some kind of wonderful. We're talking right. about 16 Candles and all that. Um if there was a candidate for any band that could possibly do this, I would nominate Eternal Summers. Uh, you know, drums need to be bigger, but yes. Do I mean you, it's a trio? So how big are you going to get? No, that just the drums need to be a little more pronounced. Yeah, you think about the end of Breakfast Club when he's sure. across the. F- that's what I. That's my immediate image. Yeah, yeah. So if you want the big like drums in an elevator reverb, but there is like, so. We'll keep going before I start talking. Well, yeah. So, so uh, the point is, is like this is um, in, in sharp contrast to what we were talking about uh, last week. This is not necessarily the most complex of music. Uh, it is in in an era where not just in film but in music, we continually like reboot, reinterpret, and redo mm-hmm. old styles and stuff. This is uh, nothing new. I, I will say having. Uh, grown up about an hour east of there in Lynchburg <laughs> and having lived in Roanoke. I mean, this to me hilariously sounds like it could only happen like in this town. I mean, Roanoke, Virginia is a very, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's a small mountain town. It's like halfway to Virginia tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is there. Uh, when I was there back in the nineties, there's nothing going on, but there was a damn good record store, record exchange. It was the nineties explosion. Uh, you have a, a community that is sort of stuck in the 90s and, you know, and yeah, um, 
if uh, but if you're going to be stuck in the '90s, why not? And you're going to make music in this place, why not do this? Because yeah. this is what was good. Yeah. So, so one of the things I was thinking on the way here was, I would have liked this album a lot in college, and I went to college in 1994 and 1998, right? Because that's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like kind of like the Cranberries or like Lush, the Sundays, Sundays. Oh, that's yes, that's right on. It's and and I am a huge Sundays yeah, fan. So. But also to take it back another step. As a nerd who read the entire book about Yola Tango that somebody wrote, <laughs> uh, there's there's like a, um, you know, a lot of that is born out of the sort of mid '80s, early '80s jangly pop like REM before they got famous, mm-hmm. uh, the DBs, um, some of those bands, B52s, Pylons, yeah, yeah, the like early, that. the early, basically stuff. the Athens scene, right, right, the the hard strumming rhythms. I mean, it's it's kind of all born out of that. And then it turned into something slightly different in the 90s where more bands were getting on the radio more quickly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and that's kind of what this is. Like it sounds a lot like that stuff. And it's, you know, like it could – the Hughesian thing is is interesting that you bring up because it's it's got a sort of soundtracky vibe. Yeah. Like you're shopping to this music or you're, you know, driving. I mean it's got kind of a road vibe. Well, you can you can picture it in, in a scene. Yeah, and uh, you're running through the dorm to get the note. Yeah, something. Yeah, I mean it, it's yeah. all it's all very, uh, uh, and I don't know what that says about me or, or us. Where it's like it's all very, uh, to my sensibilities, like completely uh, overwhelmingly like pleasing that this is happening because I feel a lot of times uh, people uh, bands will. Uh, steer towards this and say to themselves, well, we can't just do that right. because somebody else did that. But the problem is the Sundays were great. Or the problem with that thinking, the Sundays were great. Yeah. And if you are able, which I think they are, I, I think uh, Nicole Yoon's voice like is uh, easily, at least in, in this genre, one of the better ones I've heard. She can, she can go from a whisper to very mm-hmm. full, uh, just, emotive and and getting out their voice Uh, so if you can do that and do it well then go for it i think they do a pretty good job so here's my challenge question before Mm. we get into the music neither of us is a big fan of real estate (laughs) did did brian gruner put you up no 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 (laughs) so no to say that is putting it mildly on my case so Compare and contrast yes. eternal summers and real estate. Here's the difference. Real estate is – Because they're not entirely dissimilar. No, they aren't. Yeah. But here's the difference. Is real estate is the type of band that thinks that they need to do something different, that they can somehow improve on the formula and they really can't. Besides just writing shitty music, they just can't improve on that formula. Eternal Summers seems to have figured out uh, over the course of these four albums that they don't need to. And what they need to do is get – like say what they're going to say and do it in a way that feels right to them. I agree to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm not a big real estate person. I'm just, right. I'm just putting out that that's part of the thing I was struggling with is how unique is this? Is this actually that much better than other people who are doing something similar 
And if so, why or why not? And well, we'll get into that after yeah. after we play a song. Yeah. So I, I wanted to. We each picked a song for this one. Uh, my song was going to be uh, Black Diamond. So here you go. This is Eternal Summer's Black Diamond off of Golden Stone. So that point in the song uh, where she hits that high note and it just fades off into the jangle pop nether regions of Eternal Summers. I mean, nether. yeah, I, it's 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 so again simple. It can be inconsequential if you want it, but if you are, uh, I hate to use the, the term goth, but you know, if, if you're feeling. You're feeling Sinister. some feel, if you, yeah. Oh. You're feeling some feels or whatnot. The feel, oh, yeah. That's what it was. The feelies. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're if you're feeling some uh, just some feels in general, not mm-hmm. just the feelies, but uh, you can put this on. And I mean that that's how I remember the Sunday's uh, first mm-hmm. album hitting me. And I, it took me a, a long time, and and I haven't dug into this as much as I really would like to yet. But it took me a long time to 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 get at everything out of it, and you know. 25 years later I'm still getting stuff out of it uh, but that initial feeling mm-hmm. uh, which I guess we can lead into like, discussing like what is that mm-hmm. I don't uh, you know we talk about it a lot on this podcast but there is um, there's I mean music is math music is uh, stuff that we know has 
a certain effect on physiology on and everything, you know, just immediate mm-hmm. um, chemical makeup. But so what is it that's working in stuff like this that say doesn't work for a thousand other bands? Um, I think it's gently evocative. Yeah. I think it gets at uh, creating a palette of sort of, you know, not to sound really cliche, but warm summery vibes. Yeah. And then mixes in sort of, I mean, some of her lyrics are just riddled with self-doubt. Absolutely. So. And that's what I mean. But, you can, you can but, dig into this and. But it's not super high stakes. So it's like, that's why it's relatable on a lot of levels. And it's also something you could put on. For example, I did some work to to. Uh, this music the other day and it was totally fine. Mm -hmm. I wasn't distracted by the lyrics. I wasn't just overwhelmed by the playing or the rhythm, which is both a compliment and a diss in a way. But it, it, it's, that's what I mean. It's gently evocative. There's nothing, no one's having a mental breakdown in this music. Right. Uh, But nobody's also uh, the king of the world. And so it's sort of, it's sort of gently evocative. It's, it's, um, it's got this, vibe where the palette is things are generally okay but we're worried about this and then it's coming back down and you know there's something down to it but nothing's extreme Uh, i don't know how to explain it better than that it nothing um nothing sends you over the edge uh it's not to say it's not good or not important or not or that the lyrics aren't sincere to the person who wrote them Mm -hmm. i just feel like um you could put this on at a party excuse me, a very chill party and everybody would kind of be okay with it right. and nobody would be that affected by it, which again is both a compliment and a diss. It's not like you're going to put on Marvin or, Gaye. Or, and, or you could sit alone in your like room and, right, be, like, exactly. and, and be like – Yeah, or you could write some email to it or you could list, drink coffee to it. Like it kind of fits a lot of different moods and that's what I mean about the filmic, the Hughesian part you were getting yeah. earlier is it's kind of – it fills in space in, mm-hmm. in a very summary kind of nice way. I mentioned you on email. It is kind of a grower. The first few listens, I was like, eh. And then I and then, it and then started to come it, around on, especially on three or four of the songs. I thought, well, this is actually kind of a nice And that's exactly what it did to me. It wasn't a thing like, uh, although I am thinking this may end up uh, like in one of my best of, of the years just for, because I'm going what are by. We, what uh, are we betting this time? Nah. Because uh. I'm going by, uh, I mean, do experience albums and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. the way I experience this is, is very much um, – yeah, it, it fills in some stuff, and it's stuff that I find people m- might be always looking for, and mm-hmm. uh, and it's and it's an unconscious thing. Uh, it is what the best music I think does that you can't ever put your finger on it. Like like what was so much better? Like mm-hmm. take LCD sound system. What was so much better than that than uh, other dance music? There's no way you can ever define it, but you can. You can define little parts of it, but at the mm-hmm. core, there's something in that that bands that really uh, know their craft, or at least know how to craft a good album, uh, are able to to do. And hmm. you know, to see uh, this coming from Roanoke, by God, the Noak <laughs> is is fascinating. Yeah, I agree and disagree. I mean, I I I would say that. Your specific example of LCD, LCD sound system, I think it's hookier and smarter than a lot of dance music and shorter, frankly, Yeah. in most cases. So that's a different issue. But I mean, I I don't know that it's 
There's certain music you can put on that you can't sit still to. There's certain music mm-hmm. you can put on that you can't read to because you're so gripped by either the lyrics or mm-hmm. the rhythm. Or you know, you're not well, going to put on the Rolling Stones and write some emails. Well, maybe you are if you're going to write some fun. At, at this point in your life, yeah, you're not going to put on the Rolling Stones the first time you heard it. Right, right, right. And, and write some so you know, that's kind of where I'm headed. It doesn't. Um, it's gently evocative. It doesn't grip real hard. But well, it does fill in the space, and it kind of creates a nice. Well, let's break this down into like types yeah. types of music here, yeah. real quick. Just for no, the and sake that's of fair. argument. Yeah, uh, we lost Ornette Coleman today. Oh, so this is in all the things that music does. You can't be like jazz is not pop is not this. It's like yeah, it's, it's all that. it's all music. It's all the same action, like mechanical action. <laughs> and the way Ornette Coleman's music. Uh, affects you and your brain and stuff is very different. Yeah, on on one level from how something like this or a good uh, like a, you were saying the Sundays or like mm-hmm. a good REM album or a right. good anything does, but they both achieve the same thing. Yeah, in a way, I think that's right. I think that's right. I think that's what. W- to the extent I think this works, I think that's what works about this. And I think I th- I agree with you that they understand the vibe mm-hmm. and they understand what they were going for and they executed it pretty well. I think they're good players. I think the lyrics are decent. I think that the sort of contrast of the sunny pop with some of the melancholy and I'm not going to say punk, but something like punk vibe and some of that self-doubt. That's as punk as Rono gets me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the, I think all that works is like a to, flavor contrast the same way that, you know, yeah. orange and lime sherbet work together, but it is still sherbet. So like that I and that and I'm I love sherbet, but the point is that's I don't see this as a to make a food metaphor. It's not a to me it's not a meal is what I would say. Okay. That's my reservation. Well, let's, uh, I guess, one more appetizer then. You want to yeah. Hear, you want to hear the song uh, Play sure. Dead? All right.
Wait, so let's play dead. That's the uh, next to last song on the album, I think. And it comes uh, out. Of, it comes out of maybe third or fourth to last. It yeah. comes right after Ebb Tide or whatever. And, which is real mellow. And if Eternal Summers is listening to this, I apologize for keep uh, drawing this back to Roanoke and being like, "What's but?" <laughs> but honestly, I've got the cred. Uh, you know, there was uh, the, that song sounds like there. There was a record store there called the Record Exchange. It was fantastic. Uh, they had one in Blacksburg. They had one. Uh, it was regional to the East Coast. Frederick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Silver Spring, and that sounds like kids who have been diving mm-hmm. like in the dollar bin and pulling out everything from the nineties that was huge when that like K ninety two when it went over mm-hmm. from uh, from like pop to just they had to play Nirvana they had to play right. all this like crap and uh, it just and I don't even think they were there then but mm-hmm. it it's so weird to me to hear. This music coming from this place and have it be very specifically what you would or I having like spent some time there would be. Right. Like it's I I don't you talk about scenes and and Roanoke certainly has some sort of scene now. I mean, obviously cities develop, but it's still Roanoke. Yeah. Uh, it's still the tea room. It's still it's still McAdoo's. It's still uh, center in the square. Uh, a lot of meth and a lot of drunk driving, and that's I mean, but that's Southwest Virginia, and um, <laughs> oh, no, um, you know. But it, it these cultural things don't they don't get into even if the internet said they don't get into these pockets, right? And to have people making this, and I guess there's a little like collective that they're part of uh, hmm. that I'll put in the show notes I, I was reading today. And did they get in these pockets of of the country or of the state, and and then you have something like this enjoyable and this mm-hmm. you know spot on come out? It's like wow, okay. Yeah, I mean, I haven't. I think I've been to Roanoke, uh-huh. so I can't speak yeah. to the scene yeah. the same way. But I, I, I get what you're saying, and I think I agree with you in that somewhere in between Bell and Sebastian and like Lee Ronaldo, yeah, there's there's sort of a you know they're they're studied in a very '90s uh, type mix mm-hmm. of music, which is great and fine, and um, they are pretty straightforward with it and it's pretty well executed. And I think the song structure is good. Like it's not like they just go from um, totally loud to totally soft without any warning. And there's a build to certain things and they create a palette and they cut against it and come back out of it in a really nice way there. We've talked about this. Maybe we haven't said it on the mic. The playing is really good. Yeah. I don't, I think they're all oh, the three is, is very good solid. musicians. I mean, I, I used I'd to, like to see them. At I used to play. There used to live. Be, there used yeah. to be a place called Full Moon Cafe. And yeah. It was like every musician in Roanoke. They they would play there, or if you were in a could get in a cover band, or I think the one or two bands. And this is in '96, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could play at a place called Corn Beef and Company, which I think is still there. Uh, and it was all bad, and it was all like. Although the Full Moon Cafe was uh, convinced me simultaneously <laughs> that I love music like forever, and that I never want to. Actually, play music in Be front a of musician, people, right. uh, because <laughs> it was. Um, but you know, it was it was a scene, but it was not a very uh, necessarily talented scene. Got it. Um, but 
that changes and all of a sudden you have people who know mm-hmm. how to play. They know how to get these sounds. They know yeah. what they're referencing. They know – I mean there is no way that you – they don't have Sunday's tapes laying around. I mean like – or mm-hmm. you know all those 90s albums. Yeah. There's, there's no possible way. And to just be able to essentially like furiously commit to that is yeah. – no, I, it's a nice, it's a nice album. It's a grower. If you're if you're driving to the beach, and you're a thoughtful person, like I recommend, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. It's on sound opinions. They were talking about looking for the uh, song of the summer. I think they were looking more of the pop song yeah, of the summer. Yeah, yeah. But as far as albums, wait, I heard that, and they said that usually the the song of the summer is out like by April or May, right? Yeah, yeah. And now it's not. Doesn't that mean King Kunta is the song of the summer? I, I hope to God <laughs> anyway. it is. That'd be amazing. Um, so uh, to wrap this up, what are you going to do with this album? I'm going to go with stream. Okay. Uh, Apple I'm Music? Not, uh, <laughs> title. I'm not going to buy it. I, I'm going to stream it on Match, even though there's no streaming service. Uh, yeah. No. I'm not going to buy it. Um, I'll stream it a few more times. But I'm – and this is part of what we were talking about in the rating system. Like at the end of the summer, unless I throw one of these songs on a mix mm-hmm. that I keep on my phone, it'll be it for me. And I, it doesn't mean I don't like the album generally or I don't appreciate it. I just mean – I'm going to draw a line where I go, okay, I've absorbed this and this is what it is and it's okay. And that's kind of where I'm at. Like I I don't love it. I somewhat like it. Okay. Cool. I am uh, – I'm actually going to buy the shit out of it. <laughs> and this is uh, – Gloves are two men enter. Yeah. Uh, no, because A, I, I have – as much as <laughs> – I, I hate and and loathe Roanoke for <laughs> like so many reasons. Uh, uh, but um, but I also uh, love that part of the country. And, yeah. And so I feel like this is sort of repping uh, repping my people a little bit. But more than that, um, there is uh, I, I think at least for me this year, there's there's little buckets I have to fill up. Of stuff that's going to satisfy what I want to listen to, right? Mm-hmm. And as they fill up, you know, I mean, uh, the Kendrick Lamar album, just all of them. Mm-hmm. So you have to take, okay, round two of the buckets. Um, and I look for certain stuff, and this is subconscious, but, and and so like the Jessica Pratt filled one, Riley Walker filled one, like certain albums along the way, North Country, Louis Weeks. Mm-hmm. And this fills a bucket that I actually did not know. Uh, that I had uh, as much as and this is why I really wish Paul had been on this podcast <laughs> as much as I make fun of him for loving the 90s because those were his formative years yes uh, you know uh, they were also mine uh, just a, just in a different way sure. a little a little earlier than him and there are parts of it that, that I love now I mean if you put on Bush I might get angry mm-hmm. uh, but I also wouldn't necessarily get angry at 311 and you know but all the music was coming out around that mm-hmm. and uh, so I have a love for that and the fact that they can channel uh, that whether intentionally or not mm-hmm. um, you know the good part of that, that sits well with me so I am going to buy it
So that was our review of uh, Eternal Summers, their um, Golden Stone. Uh, as usual, every week, uh, although last week we didn't do this, we try to feature a song uh, by an artist, might be a well-known artist, might be a local artist, might be somebody doesn't even know, might be a cat uh, later on in the year. Who knows? Hey, Meow, Meow the Jewels is coming. <laughs> um, uh, this week, I think... Uh, had some back and forth on this, so but I think what we're going to do, uh, simply because we're doing a little time travel here, we haven't got to our mid-year uh, podcast, uh, and the artist that I was thinking about doing was on that mid-year podcast, so I think we're going to wrap that into it, maybe the one after, mm-hmm. play that. So uh, this week we're going to feature a track by a man who should need no introduction, but probably does, talking about Dale Watson from Austin, Texas. He is uh, the... Essentially, number one badass in all of America. Uh, he is a uh, purveyor of, I think it's uh, Ameripolitan is the name of the, the music. Mm. Uh, it's essentially celebrating the stylings of George Jones. In fact, on his new album, Call Me Insane, uh, which just came out, uh, he's he has a song called Jones is from Jones. So that's mm. what we're going to hear. So uh, if you like uh, to put on your shit kickers and kick some shit, uh, this is the one for you. So here you go. This is... Dale Watson, uh, Jones and for Jones of Commons. Oh, I'm Jones and for Jones. George Jones is gone. How I love to hear that possum moan. Oh, I'm Jones and for Jones. Since George Jones is gone. Thank God that his music still lives on. That, that was Dale Watson, uh, Jones and for Jones. Uh, I don't think you'd heard that, Patrick. But that I is not. I love it. Uh, if you haven't seen Dale Watson, he is uh, besides being a musician, he is a, is a filmmaker. He's a, he's a man 
of the world, an amazing performer, uh, and uh, makes some damn nice music. There's actually a song on that album which I was gonna play, but uh, it's not the single yet, so you didn't want to really breach that. Because uh, everybody's somebody in Lukenbach, Texas. Which, <laughs> if you've been to Lukenbach, then you you know. This is essentially uh, about a man talking to his chicken. <laughs> so, nice. um, yeah. Uh, so, Dale Watson, call me insane out now. Uh, Friday, July 10th, which is, in fact, two days after my birthday. Hey. At, uh, the 15 Birchmere. again, huh? Yeah, yeah. At the Birchmere. Uh, he's going to be there with uh, Jason D. Williams. Oh. So, I am guessing yeah. that Daria and I will be there uh-huh. if Anybody listening wants to join Did us. Did you just call out tickets. your own surprise? No, 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 oh, okay. no. I, I, I'm just like we don't we don't do, do, su- don't we don't do, do surprise. You don't do surprises when you get this old. No, just like no. what are we doing tonight, baby? And then that, that happens. But uh, but yeah. So I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I hope you enjoy Internal Summers, and uh, take a listen to that. That is about our podcast for this week. Next week, I promise we will have our mid year. And then after that, uh, we're going to get on. To, we were talking about some Van Hunt here between Van the breaks. Hunt, uh, is a, is a fantastic record. Really interesting. I, I've heard people talk about him uh, in in the way they talk about Kendrick. I'm not sold well, on that. that I but, wouldn't. Yeah, no. But, but uh, I do think Van Hunt is worth talking about. So. Yeah, Van Hunt. Van Hunt. Uh, in July, we got some really good stuff coming up, though. And I don't know if you how many of these you want to be on, Patrick. We have uh, the dead cast, which is which is going to be out. <laughs> All right, which is going to be out. The legally, I'm not sure I can attend that yeah, cast. Yeah, yeah. so that's going to come out for their uh, sort of their end of the road thing. Yes, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yep. And after that, you've got uh, we've got some Jason Isbell. Coming yeah, I heard up. the single, solid. I've heard the album. Solid. You've heard it. Anything as good as Elephant? Yeah. Yeah, such a good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's solid. Uh, we're gonna indulge Paul a little with uh, Titus Andronicus has a new like double rock opera out. Yeah, have you uh, heard it? I haven't listened to okay. it. It's it's sitting there. Okay, uh, that is weekend listening. Um, we're gonna be talking to Sarah Curtin just today. Uh, this morning, uh, I found out that somebody who's been on this podcast, uh, Marion McLaughlin, who's a local artist. Finished her album that she crowdsourced called Spirit House. Oh. It is sitting here after you get the fuck out of my house. I am probably going to listen to this, Patrick. Um, unless you want to uh, stay here and like, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll be sensitive. All then. right, we'll cry but, together. Uh, but yeah, so so all that is coming up, and uh, hopefully Marion will be back in the podcast soon. Uh, so as usual, uh, be good to your ears, uh, be better to your people. We will talk to you in about seven weeks. Sorry, seven days. Kenobi, how do you feel about what's happening? Kenobi!